welcome to the Hannah Miller Show. And here she is, Hannah Miller. Outspokenly conservative and unashamedly Christian. This is Hannah Miller, and this is what happened this week. So very quickly, this week we're going to cover what's going on a little bit with Musk, Twitter, Congress, the Biden administration. We'll cover that pretty quickly. Then I want to move on and talk about China and some comments made from um, Klaus Schwab. And then we're going to close out the show today, and I'm going to be bringing you 11 points regarding the Sam Bankman fried story with FTX, cryptocurrency, all of that. Um, I'll give a bit of the backstory, and then I'm going to tell you a little bit of the political implications and connections, and then what's going to happen now that I foresee. Uh, So we'll close out the show going through all of that. I know it's been happening. It's been a big story over the last two weeks. I have not touched on it. I've been waiting to kind of gather all of the information and kind of let all of it, uh, all, all of the data kind of rise to the fore so that we could uh, talk about it a little bit and have a little bit more of that information available. So the very first thing that I want to talk about, let's discuss Twitter and Elon Musk. So, of course, the Biden administration, the the White House came out this week and they've announced uh, their press secretary said they were going to be keeping a very close eye on Twitter. Uh, And, of course, that's because of the free information, the free flow of information that Musk is now allowing or more so allowing on Twitter. And then Senator Ed Markey, a Democrat from, I believe, Massachusetts, he recently got in touch with his inner mobster and threatened Elon Musk. He said he told Musk to, quote, fix your companies or, quote, Congress will, end quote. And then as a part of this threat, Markey referred to an ongoing National Highway Traffic Safety Administration investigation into Tesla's autopilot driving system and Twitter's 2011 consent decree with the Federal Trade Commission. Markey, though, he's done more than make threats. He's one of a group of Democratic senators who wrote to the FTC urging an investigation into whether Musk's actions as the new owner of Twitter violated the consent decree or consumer protection laws. And, of course, since FTC chair Lina Khan wants to investigate as many businesses as possible because that's just what we do now, it's likely that she's going to respond favorably to the senator's letter and will probably embark on that investigation. Of course, President Biden's also endorsed an investigation into the role foreign investors played in financing Musk's Twitter purchase. And that all seems to be from very nefarious, but in the past... Or we were able to recognize all of that as just being a, a scam because they don't like Musk and they don't like that he's allowing the more a more free flow of information. I'm not going to say it's entirely free because I think there's still some level of trying to control not necessarily information, but they're still making sure they have they still have guidelines that they're following. It's not like you can just get up there and say anything, uh, but it's a much more free platform uh, than it used to be. So. And and the Democrats don't like that. And that's why they're all falling all over themselves to attack Musk and Twitter right now. But in the not-so-distant past, we had conservatives on the other side of this who were saying the government and Congress needs to get involved with Twitter and social media because we didn't like the censorship. We were being censored. And so there many Republicans were saying, well, hey, we need somebody needs to get involved and tell these companies that they can't do this kind of thing. And the government needs to be the one to do it. Congress needs to be the one to do it and, you know, try to basically 
their perspective then was to force these big tech companies like Facebook and Twitter, etc., to respect free speech. All right. But now it's kind of like the shoes on the other foot where we've got these companies who there is free speech going on at Twitter. Democrats don't like it. And so now they're the ones who want government to get involved with these companies and crack down on these companies regarding free speech. And so the bottom line here that I'm trying to get at is that government getting involved with these companies, with private companies, is not the answer. Because let me remind you that the more power the federal government has over these tech companies, the easier it is for the government to then, and I'm putting it very nicely, incentivize these companies to work with the federal government to shut down, quote, misinformation, end quote. And that's exactly what we saw happen during COVID-19. And protests, uh, the the summer of rage, uh, 2020 the riots that ended up happening, Black Lives Matter, so many things, uh, Epstein. I mean, there's been so many things that we've seen censored, and it's only it would only get worse, is my point, if the federal government got involved. So while the motivation of some is to require respect for free speech from tech companies, the outcome will be just the opposite. So here's the question. What do we do? What do we do? Well, what we've always done. Be discerning. Look, we're going to have to do the hard work ourselves. You know, we're going to have to determine for ourselves which sources are reliable. We're going to have to think critically about the information. We're going to have to do research to find the truth. We're going to have to be faithful to share the truth when we find it. We're going to have to not get distracted in a tsunami of meaningless information. And that's where most of us uh, get, that's where we go off the rails. As we get lost and we get distracted in all of this information because we live in the information age where we're just inundated constantly all day long with information and then it's hard to wade through it all. It's hard to weed through it all and that's why we have to be very discerning about the information that comes in, that we allow in, the resources, the sources, all of those things um, that we open the door to in our homes, in our minds, our ears, our eyes, all of those things. Furthermore, Ron Paul wrote in a recent article, he said this, quote, big tech companies silence their users to curry favor with politicians and bureaucrats, often after encouragement from politicians and bureaucrats. Therefore, to end big tech censorship, Americans should demand that all government officials, including the president, not violate the First Amendment, end quote. What does Ron Paul mean by this? He means... Those who incentivize with political favor or verbally encourage big tech censorship from a position of authority should be punished for violating the First Amendment. So basically, going to the head of the snake uh, with Congress and not allowing those guys to encourage or incentivize in any way these companies to violate the First Amendment. And, and that's exactly, that's what needs to happen. And not necessarily cracking down on these companies, because a lot of them, they don't necessarily do it on their own initiative. They do it at the behest of the government. And more and more of that is being exposed as we speak, especially regarding COVID-19 and the Biden administration and the vaccines and all that. So moving forward, let's talk about communist 
China. So in a recent interview with Communist China's state-run television, World Economic Forum founder Klaus Schwab had high praise for the People's Republic. While discussing his plans for a coming global government, the 84-year-old Schwab lauded the communist nation. This is what he said. He said he called it a, quote, role model, end quote, for many of the world's countries. Schwab praised the communist regime's achievements, calling them, quote, tremendous, end quote. And he followed this by saying, quote, I think China is a role model for many countries, end quote. Those are his exact words. Um, what exactly is admirable about China? I mean, just this week, they're continuing Brutal COVID lockdowns caused a violent riot in the northeast of Hong Kong, in a city that, or region I cannot pronounce, but it's northeast of Hong Kong, that had to be put down by police in hazardous material suits. China's also welding people into their homes, which mere days ago led to the death of at least 10 people in a fire in a western Chinese province, who were reportedly locked in their apartments in COVID's name. Their doors were welded shut, they've been locked in, and they were not able to get out. And uh, it, the, the apartment buildings, homes caught fire, and at least 10 people died. Are, are, is that kind of tyranny? Those kind of lockdowns what Schwab is admiring? Or maybe as James Murphy pointed out while addressing Schwab's comments, he said this, quote, Perhaps what Schwab craves is China's ability to effectively silence troublesome ethnic or religious groups, such as the genocide of Uyghur Muslims or brainwashing camps for Christians, end quote. Maybe it's genocide and brainwashing Schwab finds appealing. The WEF has been a vocal promoter of ESG, which is Economic Social Governance Scores, and claims it has a key role in coming relations with governments and corporations. Of course, we all know that China uses their social credit tracking system to provide rewards or retribution as needed, whichever is needed, to its citizens. So maybe it's China's social credit score or, quote, moral ranking system that Schwab finds applause worthy. Of course, look, in reality, I'm sure all of these infringements upon human rights are appealing to Schwab and the rest of his cohorts of the WEF. The global elites laud communist China as tremendous because of the level of institutional control China wields over its citizenry. This is, yet again, another reminder that if the global elites get their way, your freedom, and I'm putting air quotes around that, will be dependent on your willingness to bow to their every capricious self-serving governmental mandate. When faced with moments such as this, we must ask ourselves, do I want to die feeling safe or die feeling free? Women often choose safety. This is a total side note. And while I encourage women to choose liberty over safety, it is all the more imperative for men to follow their natural tendency to rebuff safety for freedom and lead the way. Hey, this is Bob, the producer of this podcast. Just want to take a quick minute to let you know you can always get your questions into us. Ask us anything. Feel free to email me at bob at bobsloan.com. B-O-B at B-O-B-S-L-O-N-E dot com. Or you can always find that information and more in the show notes. Now back to Hannah. Let's talk about FTX and Sam Bankman-Fried. 
like I said at the beginning, I'm going to give you 11 points of information that you need to know regarding the story. And in those 11 points, I'll cover a bit of the backstory, the political implications, and what's going to happen now, or at least what I think is going to happen now. And credit where credit is due, I'm reporting on Rebecca Terrell's write-up that she did for the New American Magazine. She did an excellent job consolidating all the information that many of us have been reading these past two weeks. So I had already kind of started compiling all this same information and then found her article that did it in a more extended version than what I'm going to do today. But I'm going to do my best to present all of it uh, for you in 11 brief points bouncing off of uh, her article and other things that I've read as well. Uh, but I just want to, that's Rebecca Terrell and that's T-E-R-R-E-L-L. So first things first, Sam Bankman Fried, SBF, is the former CEO of FTX, a cryptocurrency exchange that he founded in 2019. Laying the groundwork, that's who we're talking about. Second, their rival, Binance, had planned to purchase FTX, but instead uncovered a liquidity crisis in the company and its hedge fund, Alameda Research. What did they uncover, exactly, you ask? That billions of counterfeit FTX tokens were, in fact, bolstering Alameda's balance sheet and propping up the trading firm's market value, making it appear liquid. As Terrell reported, and many of us saw happening in the news, Quote, Binance pulled out of the purchase agreement, causing a run on FTX, which filed for Chapter 11, 11 bankruptcy protections on November 11th. Alameda Research and more than 100 other affiliates followed suit and SBF resigned. End quote. So that's all what happened. Binance discovered the basically the liquidity crisis, this billions of counterfeit FTX tokens. They pulled out of the agreement, causing a run on FTX. Uh, FTX filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. And then a whole bunch of other affiliates followed suit and SPF resigned. All right, bringing us up to speed. Point number three, a lot, many analysts have called this one of the largest financial scandals in history with as much as $2 billion in client funds missing. But Rebecca Terrell did a great job pointing out that this is conjuring money, that this conjuring money out of thin air and devaluing currency value is exactly what the Federal Reserve has done for decades and is currently doing to the American dollar. And this will lead to a collapse similar to what we've seen with FTX these past two weeks. FTX is a real-time example of what the Federal Reserve has been getting away with and how, one, it's wrong and it's plain to see, and two, it will eventually collapse. You can't proceed, you can't go on like this forever. Fourth, Coindesk reported last March that FTX partnered with Ukraine to launch a crypto donation website for that country's war effort. This announcement came within days of President Joe Biden's pledge of billions in American taxpayer dollars to Ukraine. Two seemingly unrelated events. Fifth, and most revealing, were the political revelations uncovered. The Financial Times reported that Sam Bankman Fried, quote, emerged as the second biggest donor to liberal groups after George Soros, end quote which means a huge source of Democrat funding has now been, well, fried. Sorry, I couldn't help myself. I had to get it in there one time. Federal Election Commission filings revealed that SPF donated more than $39 billion. Oop, excuse me. Federal Election Commission filings revealed that SPF 
donated more than $39 million in 2021 and 2022, either directly to candidates or indirectly through political action packs, uh, political action committees. Sixth, the U.S. has sent more than $60 billion to Ukraine as of early November. Essentially, and I'm going to sum up these all these last couple points, FTX partnered with Ukraine. Then Biden funneled funds to Ukraine. Then FTX made massive donations to Democrats. You see, you see how that cycles around there? Seventh, SBF and FTX face investigations by Biden's Department of Justice and the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. Bankman Fried's good friend, U.S. Representative Maxine Waters, also announced a bipartisan investigation by her House Financial Services Committee. Eighth, SBF's girlfriend is Caroline Ellison, and her father, Glenn Ellison, used to be Gary Gensler's boss. Yes, that Gary Gensler, the guy that's now the head of the SEC that is investigating FTX. Ninth, SBF's mother, Barbara Fried, is founder and president of Mind the Gap, a left-wing super PAC dedicated to helping Democrat political candidates win elections, according to reports from Influence Watch. This super PAC has become a considerable force to be reckoned with in the political scene, particularly outs in within Silicon Valley. Tenth, SBF's aunt, his mother's sister, Dr. Linda Fried, is a member of, you guessed it, the World Economic Forum, and she's a part of their Global Agenda Council on Aging. And until recently, WEF listed FTX as a partner on its website. Last but not least, my 11th point, what do I see happening now? So with all of his powerful connections, which is why I gave you the 8th, 9th, and 10th points there, um, with all of those connections, I don't see anyone aggressively investigating the FTX, Ukraine, Democrat slush fund operation that SPF, SBF was running. I, I just don't see it. I know that they're saying that they're going to do all these in, this investigating. They're going to have this bipartisan investigation, uh, according to Representative Maxine Waters. But I just he, he has too many powerful connections going all the way to the WEF. Instead, I fully expect everyone on Capitol Hill to use this as an excuse to crack down on cryptocurrency. That's what I think that they're going to end up. That's how they're going to use this opportunity. Remember, there can't be an alternative to the American dollar and its rapidly spiraling value. In a very brief but insufficient nutshell, politicians, governments, and central banks don't like the idea of cryptocurrency because it has the potential to remove their control over currency. I'm not saying that cryptocurrency is the end-all be-all and will save us from our financial woes. Crypto has a lot of its own problems. It's very volatile, it's susceptible to scams, and not a single transaction can be reversed, which means if someone steals crypto from you, there's no getting it back, which is, well, yeah. So cryptocurrencies have their own problems. But my main point here is I don't think the government has any business controlling cryptocurrencies either, just like I don't think they have any business running the Federal Reserve. So to sum up, Today's entire podcast, don't let the federal government get involved in cryptocurrency. Don't let the government, the government needs to get out of the Federal Reserve. That needs to be abolished. And uh, don't let the government get involved with social media and censorship and any of that. So kind of uh, in the theme of what we usually cover, just get the get rid of the federal government and uh, all the things it's 
involved in, or don't get rid of the federal government. I don't mean to say that, but don't get rid, but get rid of all of the things that they're running, all these alphabet agencies, all the things they have their fingers involved in. They're just way too big, way too big. And, uh, so that's the 11 points I have about that situation. It's continuing to unfold as it, as it is right now. They're going to try, they're going to be investigating him. But like I said, I don't see that going anywhere. And uh, I'll just, if big changes or big things happen with it, I'll report again here. But I hope you have a great weekend and I'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to The Hannah Miller Show. Please remember to subscribe to this podcast. This podcast is produced by Bob Sloan Audio Productions. If you'd like to find out more about Hannah or to schedule her for a speaking event, go to her website, thehannahmillershow.com.